Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. Hello there, and welcome to Mission Unstoppable Radio. I happen to know that you are all unstoppable, and I'm so thrilled that you're with us today. Uh, if you've been missing me the last couple of weeks, I have been sick. I apologize, but I'm back. I'm starting to feel better. And today is just the start of just, you know, spring and feeling better. Let's put a little spring in our step. You know, I have this wonderful guest with me today, and, and I got to tell you a little story because it's kind of funny. Um, when I first asked Linda Todd, who you see here on the screen with me, uh, to come on Mission Unstoppable, I think she thought I was pranking her because she, she couldn't understand what it was about her that would make me ask. And, and I'm like, hmm, so I'm going to ask all of you, why don't you decide what made me ask her? Linda was born legally blind. But her parents encouraged her to try everything, including riding a horse and driving a motorized go-kart. So, Linda, I'm going to ask you, looking back, do you think your parents really loved you? (laughs) (laughs) For for 11 years, she was the publisher and editor of the Millbrook Times. And some of her chosen fields of study have been photography, web design, and food and beverage management. Yeah, think about that for a sec. Today, Linda is a communications coordinator for the Peterborough Council for Persons with Disabilities, and she's this year's 2018 chairperson of National Accessibility Week. She's also a Toastmasters speech champion, and she came in second place in Toastmasters humorous contest winner. Yay, congratulations for that. Thank you. Now, she was recently featured as a participant in an axe-throwing training documentary. We're going to talk about that. And her hobbies include pistol shooting, archery, tandem bike riding, and active together adventures, to name a few. Are you beginning to get a picture of this woman, this wife, this mother of two, and why she is one of the unstoppable ones? Well, let's meet her. Let's hear from the horse's mouth herself. (laughs) Welcome, Linda, to Mission Unstoppable Radio. Thank you so much, Frankie. It really is an honor. Well, I'm so glad you came. You know, I I thought, yeah, is this real? (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny because you're like, well, what do you mean? What what do you want? (laughs) It was so cute, really. So, I mean, you are absolutely extraordinary. You told me that you grew up in Millbrook and you knew your way around town and you didn't need to have a cane. You didn't need to have anything. You just knew where you're going. And, and, um, unfortunately, you know, some, some ill effects have, have, you know, uh, challenged you and your husband. And you moved to the big city of Peterborough. <laughs> I laughed at that story. <laughs> Bigger than Millbrook, for sure. Bigger than Millbrook. Yeah, not yeah. quite. As, yeah. Why don't you tell the story of you arriving in Peterborough? So, I yeah, we moved here. And it was the second day. And uh, we had lots of boxes to unpack. And I thought, you know what? I did not move here to unpack boxes. 
So Council of Persons with Disabilities, I was familiar with them a little bit, and I'd heard they were doing archery that day. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to head off to archery. And I hadn't been on the bus system before, and I was scared. And I so I thought, you know what, what's the worst can happen? I can end up on the wrong side of Peterborough. Not a big deal. And so I went and uh, had a fabulous time. And there are still many unpacked boxes in, <laughs> in the basement. <laughs> okay. So, and one thing after the, the other. But you fell flat on your face. Yes. So on the way back from archery, I was going back to the bus. I'd met a girl. We were walking back to the bus together. And uh, what's, what's actually kind of interesting is she was visually impaired as well. And I was just about to say, do you need me? Because right now, like at this point, I still think I can see pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I was just starting to say, do you need me to be your sighted guide? <laughs> and all of a sudden, just bam, I fell absolutely flat. No oh stumbling, you know, just flat. All legs Ooh. are straight out. Um, and we were crossing the road and there was a big intersection media medium and I didn't see it. And that's when I realized, uh, after I picked myself up and, uh, that hurt. Yeah. Um, but I, then I realized, wow, living in the big city really is different than walking around Millbrook, you know? And so, uh, I, Right away, contacted the CNIB, the Canadian National Institute of the Blind, and got cane training. So that was the very first time you'd reached out to CNIB? Uh, I had reached out prior, about a year prior, when we started putting in the plan uh, to move here. To uh, So I had come and done a couple, uh, maybe two or three training sessions, and uh, I didn't... I didn't continue uh, because I wasn't about to use my cane in in, uh, in Millbrook, and I didn't feel that I really needed it. And that uh, I was still going through the process of really accepting uh, how much I was visually impaired, you know, because I had been hiding it, and people knew I had poor vision, but certainly not nearly as poor as it is. Now, what would make a person get a, a dog versus a cane? Uh, I can't uh, actually answer that per se because I don't have a dog. Okay. Uh, I do certainly qualify for a dog. Um, it could be a couple things. One, I actually have two dogs, a Husky and a Malamute, so I wouldn't probably bring a, a seeing-eyed dog into this scenario because my two are already a handful and they're only three. Yeah. They are a handful. So it's two. Yeah, that yeah, three anyways. <laughs> but one consideration may be if someone's sight, if they're, they are legally blind with, with different issues and they, and their sight is going to continue to diminish, you know? So whereas mine for the most part, I am what I am. So mine is congenital. So, most likely, unless something, unless I get afflicted with something else, uh, mine won't necessarily get worse. And maybe it will be something I will consider uh, down the road. But for me, I can get around quite fine, you know, with a cane. Right. So 
<laughs> I, I mean, this, I have to ask the question. I'm sure everybody sitting at home is asking the question. What makes a person with your specific disability choose graphic design as a career? <laughs> Web design, like, hello? Well, I guess uh, I maybe it's just, it's, I was working, you know, doing the newspaper and that was part, you know, you need to be, desktop you know, publishing. Yeah. Yeah. Desktop publishing and graphic design. Uh, you can enlarge things on the screen. I don't use a screen reader, uh, but I certainly enlarge things and uh, kind of the only answer I have <laughs> <laughs> you know, fell into it. It was more the journalism side of it than the graphic design. It just kind of all went as one package. Yeah. But you studied photography and yes. archery. I mean, you're looking at, you're, you're choosing almost everything that needs like really like eagle eyesight. Okay. I'm going to get this target with, with the, the bow. I'm going to wield an ax. I'm going to, yep. you know, do all of this stuff and hopefully nobody's in my way. And I mean, I couldn't even do it. Like, so tell me, where does this, this, this challenge come from to challenge yourself? Well, that's just it. You know, I want to challenge myself. There was, um, when, when I realized how blind I was, <laughs> and did you ever realize it? <laughs> I don't know if you did. Uh, it uh, it was a real big weight off, and uh, and then you just embraced. And we went, you know, we faced an obstacle with my husband, and really that became a stepping stone. I realized, you know, he, he may not have, he couldn't, he wouldn't have, he did live through what he, we went through, but uh, that was a very big eye opener. And, and I think actually going through that is what changed everything that I was just going to embrace every day. I had, uh, I just wanted to have fun. You know, we, we learned that life can change in a split second. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was that was actually really the, the main turning point. You know, we survived that. Hopefully we don't have to face it again. And now I am just about raising our children and and having fun and embracing every day. And now, so what I, are the ages of your kids? Uh, my kids are 12 and 14. Oh, they're still young. Yes. Babies. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. So I thought- married just about 30 years. Wow. Uh, uh, we, uh, well, not we, I delayed having children. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. And um, what do they think? I mean, they must be so proud of you, but what, what do they, do they think you're this crazy mom or do they, are they like, oh, she's my mom's so cool. She, you know, wheels uh, they don't think I'm cool. And uh, <laughs> Um, they do think I'm crazy, but I'm not sure if it's because of the axe throwing and, and different things. I think it's just, they think I'm crazy. Um, I, am sure in their own way, you know, they're just used to it. Nothing. It's not like they get excited and jump up and down and wow, you did this. They don't think anything of my low vision. No, they just don't, uh, they, they understand it. They get it. They think nothing of it. So. I'm sure it doesn't impact them. No, not really. You don't burn food or, I mean, you took hospitality. 
Yeah, well, I burn myself a lot. <laughs> oh, do you? Oh, dear. That's Low vision not- people have uh, difficulty seeing steam, you know, or knobs on stoves. <laughs> yeah, I like how you described the, at the buffet that, you know, you really just don't know what you're going to get and what you might be eating. That's yeah. kind of funny. <laughs> now, do you, do you read Braille? Do you know how to no, read Braille? No, I don't. You don't. So even if they have, I mean, they do have it now at some places um, on the buffet I've seen, but it wouldn't help you. No. So how do you just ask the person next to you or you just take Well, yeah, you hope, you hope that uh, menus are legible, which most are not, it seems. Uh, at times I can, you know, take a picture with my phone and enlarge it if there's a certain section. Or if I'm with someone, then I just have them tell me. Do you need lots of light? Is that, or the light hurts your eyes? No, light is actually my enemy. Yeah. So, um, so you've got low vision because for me, like I can't see anymore very well, but if I, you know, add light to it, then I'm like, Oh, okay. Now I can see things. So, but it's your enemy. So darker, yeah. it's easier for you to read. Yes. Yeah. So I'm uh, uh low vision and I have scarring in the center of each eye. I have nystagmus. And so my eyes move, so it's hard to focus uh-huh. and I have extreme sensitivity to light. Okay. So, Hence the dark glasses. For the sun to not be there. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then winter is oh, worse. No Maybe you should move to Alaska, land of the midnight sun. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be yeah. funny. So tell me about Toastmasters. Like that is a, that's a great honor to be a master coming second in, in, you know, the humorous section. Like that's hilarious. Tell us about how you got involved with Toastmasters. And I want to know what your, what that speech was about. Uh, so through Council with Persons with Disabilities, I became more and more involved with them. And it's a, it's a great nonprofit charitable organization. And they uh, put on what was called a speech craft. So they inv- invited volunteer Toastmasters to come in. And any uh, participants with uh, Council with Persons with Disabilities could go to the speech craft. And so I joined. And it was like, whatever I am afraid of or don't want to especially do, I'm going to do it. And so I, I went and uh, went through, developed, you know, my speech, which was actually a struggle because there's a lot of things that I admit in my speech that, you know, about living in denial and, and things. And so it, it was a struggle getting through that uh, writing. It, it was a process and like, it's yeah. like journaling. Right? Yeah. So I, uh, then after you're done that program, then Toastmasters offers a six-month membership for free to anybody that does it. So I said, hey, okay, I'll do that. So the first night that I was going to go, uh, I found out that there was going to be a humorous speech contest. So I thought, hey, this scares the heck out of me. I'm going to do it. Okay. So I wrote uh, a humorous speech of all of the blind incidences that you know, I've gotten involved in. And so I went to the meeting. They actually had to induct me as a member before I could go up and do and enter the competition. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, and then the uh, Toastmaster of the night said, I'm either, I believe his word, something where it's the effect. I was either very brave for doing this or a complete idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Very brave. I'm sure. You know, I I joined Toastmasters a long, long time ago and I, I need to go back, definitely. But it was it is scary, but it's a fun kind of scary. It's a good it is. Challenge. Yeah, and, and it's a really good group. It can be very fun. 
Yeah, it's very nurturing, and it's about um, <coughs> developing um, growth points. So you get positive feedback and and growth points, and then uh, and now actually, as I've continued through the process with uh, Toastmasters, uh, I'm now presently the president. Oh wow! So it, Congrats. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's been fun. You do not shy away from a challenge, my dear. I mean, like, wow, look at all the stuff that, that you do and have done. You, um, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let me just take a look here. Excuse me, guys, for a second here. Um, <laughs> you are on the town council now. Not now. I was when I lived in Millbrook or Cabin Monaghan. Okay. I was a town councillor, yes. A library board member. You were a heritage committee member, a committee, a committee of adjustment chairperson. I mean, water advisory committee, like you just jump in wherever you need to, or as they say, angels, you know, dare to tread or whatever. Like, have you so always been lived in Yeah. When I lived in Cabin Monaghan and I was a counselor, I certainly gravitated toward more political and environmental issues. And since moving to Peterborough, uh, now I, I realized through my own journey and getting so involved with CPD that my, my true passion is about advocating for the inconvenienced. And I believe really strongly in that in, in promoting education and understanding and inclusivity. And I know that is everything that I've gone through to this point. That's me going forward. Well, we, I know that you're going to come back and join me on a show in a couple of weeks to talk about that specifically. So if there are people out there who are inconvenienced <laughs> instead of dis- disabled, I, um, you know, come and join us for that show. And, and maybe, maybe just give us a highlight of what's to come because you're joining, you're going to have a few friends, aren't you, on this show? Yes. Yeah. So there's a gentleman, um, Alec Denise. Uh, he will be coming on with me and he and I are, we run the active together adventures program. And that is a program we run volunteer because there's no funding. So if there's anyone out there that would like to provide funding, that was, there's always that option. And what it, what we offer is um, it's about striving to thrive and getting people out of their homes and in sports and recreation, people with an inconvenience, uh, don't necessarily go out much or uh, socialize. And so it is really important for people, all of us, whether you have an inconvenience or not, you know, to socialize and get involved. Right. And that's what this program is about. That's awesome. Do you, I'm assuming you speak at some schools, you speak at different places to various groups of people who need to hear your message. Um, Is this something that you've always done? No, this is just since I've uh, gotten involved um, with CPD and the Tim's program, which is called Time in My Shoes. So people with lived experience, we go into schools and we talk to children about inclusivity and how you can talk to or help or even sometimes people need to learn how not to help right. someone uh, that they think may need, need help. Like the blind leading the blind? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes people can be too helpful. (laughs) 
That was so funny. Um, yeah, I, and I can see that. So with children, let's, let's look at kids for a moment. When you go into a public school or, you know, a school for young people, um, are they, is there bullying involved or are they more like to want to help somebody with a disability? Children are the easiest ones to teach. And it's surprising how mature and interactive and how much knowledge they already have and the intelligent questions that they ask. And it's exhilarating going in and talking to them because we really do feel each and every time we're going in and making a difference. Not necessarily with every kid in the class. Right. You know, know that uh, a large majority of them are learning. What percentage, um, if you know, what, what percentage, let's say, in Peterborough, um, would there be a, an inconvenient child in a classroom or in a, the whole school? Like what percentage, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, it would be a, a wide range. Yeah. Right? Mobility, visual, hearing, mentally challenged. and uh, Do you talk about all of that when you go in? Or do you just talk about... I only talk about visual, but there's four groups of volunteers, so sections in each. So there's a mobility section, okay. and visual and hearing and and uh, and challenged. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering. You know, um, you you said that you know all of us need to get out into the world, and especially those who are disabled. But what um, what is the greatest challenge for you when you speak to them about? why they don't want to get out, like why they don't get involved. In reference to someone who has an inconvenience? Yeah. Uh, I think it's just mainly, you know, they're, they're afraid. If they're, they've got a visual problem, you know, they're afraid to go out by themselves or get the, you know, get the proper training or hearing, you know, it, it's about communication. And it's really hard to ask for help. You know, it is one of the biggest obstacles. I know it's one of the biggest obstacles that I faced when I first moved here. So I was taking cane training, but I hadn't learned the city yet. And uh, I got lost. And I got lost for about three hours. I couldn't find a bus stop. I didn't know the area I was in. And I just kept walking and walking and prayed that I would finally just happen across a bus that was stopped. (laughs) So it finally happened. I just got on any bus. I didn't, I, I didn't even care where it was going because I knew eventually it was going to go back to the terminal. And then I could find my way from there, you know, yeah. to get the second bus. And, you know, I was talking to my friend later and told her, and she goes, well, why didn't you just phone me? I would have come and picked you up. Yeah. And I said, well, because I was determined to, you know, figure yeah. it out myself. Yeah, yeah. You know, but really, in reality, I wasn't in a good part of town. You know, it wasn't necessarily the smartest thing, and it wasn't necessary. I knew yeah. I could have just phoned her. You could have called Uber. <laughs> I could have called Uber too, yes. You know? But it's that stubbornness that you just don't want to ask for help. And so now I've gotten to the point, if I go into a restaurant and I can't read, like if it's a, a chalkboard, yeah. Menu, yeah, I don't stand a chance. No. So now I'll ask, can you please, I don't ask them to read me the whole board, of course, but what do you have for chicken dishes or what is today's special? Right. You know, before I would just say, can I please have a ham and cheese sandwich? Because that was easier. That was easier. And I don't like ham. Oh my gosh. You, know, like you would just pick something. Well, I mean, kudos to your parents for making you so self-reliant, but did it also 
make it diff- more difficult then for you to ask for help, do you think? Because, you know, they tried to kill you so early on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really yeah. wanted a horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Um, I got one at 10. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it, it is all about developing strength. And uh, uh, I think my parents were always supportive and they knew that I had, a, you know, low vision, maybe not as extreme as it was, but even when they, they would tell me afterward, you know, you know, they never stopped me from doing anything. It was always encouraged, even when they were positive that I would, I would fail. Right. And there was times that I did, and then there was times that I succeeded. But they never, you know, they didn't say no. You, you didn't wear glasses when you were a young child? Oh, yes. I, I wore glasses, yeah. Yeah. Always. I mean, it kind of reminds me in a way of, you know, the, there was a story when I worked for the government, we would collect eyeglasses and take them down to South America. And you would just collect all everybody's old prescription glasses, and you would take them, and hopefully somebody, you know, would have the same prescription and they could see there was a bus driver um, down there who was legally blind and didn't know it. And when he put the glasses on, he's like, Oh my God, there's the road. You know? and, and he had been, you know, those very dangerous mountain roads that you can just slide yeah. off. Yeah. Anytime soon. He was driving those buses a couple of times a day, legally blind and didn't wow. know it. Yeah. So that's pretty freaky. Yeah. <laughs> I just got to shout out to Adriana. Hi, Adriana. Hi, Ariane in the chat room there. So, I mean, that's crazy. And very scary. If you're and, a and so did you, yeah, very scary for your passenger. So I'm wondering like, you know, when, if somebody hadn't said, you know, you're legally blind, would you just think that this is what eyesight's like? Yeah. Cause I don't know any different. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I just, I don't know any different, you know? So, uh, I know, I know my husband stops pointing things out, you know, as we're driving down the road, you know, he's given up on, you know, Oh, look at that. That's really cool. Cause by the time I turn see that? Oh, see it, like <laughs> five miles down the road. <laughs> yeah. Your husband has, is, is not, he has no sight problems. No, anything no, like that. no, he's got full sight. Okay. And I, I want to, I, okay. You sent me something and I, I'm going to bring it up and I, cause I think you're extremely courageous. Um, you do have, something behind your eye, uh, an aneurysm, right? That yeah. could explode at any time. Hopefully yeah. it won't, knock on wood. Uh, we'll pray for you to shrink it and make it go away. Um, but if it becomes a certain size, then they'll need to do surgery on you. Is that correct? Do I have it correct? Yes. So I have, uh, I was diagnosed in 2015 with an anterior communicative aneurysm. So it is at three millimeters now, and they will do surgery at five millimeters Stereotypically, they burst at seven millimeters. Okay. So we just hope that it doesn't burst between three and five. Okay. Uh, yeah. At the same time, yeah. surgery is uh, not my friend when it comes to this. You know, the outcomes on surgery um, can be quite dire. And so... Communication, I, is that because it's behind where the communication center of your brain is, or is that just the name of it? Well, it's the anterior communicative artery. So okay. it is, uh, it's your memory, your, your vision, your voice. Oh, it, wow. Yeah. It controls. It's a biggie. It's a biggie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not, uh, my father, uh, previous family members have, um, they've burst and they've just literally dropped dead. Oh my goodness. My father, uh, had, uh, three aneurysms and one burst. He lived, 
but he uh, was paralyzed on his left side and uh, uh, lost his voice. Uh, and short-term memory for a while, like for quite a few years, really, it kind of came, it did something. He came a lot further uh, than what was uh, ever told to us. And my mom took uh, great care of him and got him rehab. And originally we were told to just kind of put him in a home and there's, he's not going to be coming back from his coma. Wow. And, uh, he can't, he did come a long way, but it's not, yeah, it's not. It's not fun. It's not fun. And, and, you know, so because it's so serious, they don't, they want to wait. Yeah. It's yeah. not better to try to get it when it's little. Apparently not. I guess okay. uh, I can't really explain that. Yeah. 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 But I, again, I know that the surgery is, the surgery scares me more than waiting for it to burst. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So okay. uh, the longer that can be put off, then, then the better. Well, and, I'm going to ask everybody who's listening, send your prayers, your healing to, to Linda here. Let's, let, let's just make it go away. And she doesn't have to worry about it bursting. Or, <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be great. You know, I, I, it, for me, I mean, I, I, I'm just blown away by, by, you know, how calm you are. And, and just, you know what, you're just going to live it every day. As as it comes, and that's all you can do, really, right? I mean, you got you moved you moved to the, to Peterborough because of your husband's, you know, uh, um, health, and he's yeah. okay now. So now we just got to get you okay. Well, you know, and honestly, when I got diagnosed, uh, that is when I started the uh, the Peterborough thinking. For me, my husband was very much against it, and then he was diagnosed with cancer, and. Uh, it's a cancer that uh, odds are high that it can come back. So we, he came to the realization he, we, he moved here begrudgingly, you know, it's not something he wanted to do, but he, but we realized that if his cancer comes back and he doesn't survive, then I'm a blind woman living in Millbrook, raising two young kids with no independence. So we moved here to be proactive and hopefully none of any of that stuff happens. Right. Uh, but as it turns out, you know, we weren't here a month. And my husband came to the realization he loved it. You know, we downsized our property. We simplified our life. The kids are involved in all kinds of activities and music instrument, you know, lessons. Yeah. And absolutely loving it. They went to school in Peterborough anyway. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah. So that part wasn't even a change for them. Yeah. So it's, again, it's like the obstacles that we're handed just have ended up being, you know, wonderful stepping stones. Well, it is a great area to live in. And I know that you've got some wonderful friends and they're really good people. So, yeah, I think, you know, you, you made out like a bandit. <laughs> yes. It, my good friend Adriana, uh, co-author, is is in the chat room, and she uh, is lives in Brazil, and she's saying that Brazil is sending you positive vibes. So, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, we want to make sure that that it continues. So, what you must have thought about it? Like, what big challenges are you know? Have you are, like are you going to climb Everest? Like, what's what's coming up for you? Oh, well, I do have that answer now. I don't. It's not going to be Mount Everest, okay. but. <laughs> But uh, in in September, so I just learned about this retreat 
uh, that a, a woman, uh, her name is Becky, and that she does in Utah. Okay. And so uh, it's up to 15 blind women from uh-huh. all over the world go to Utah, and we go mountain climbing. So I am booking that from uh, September 20th to September 23rd, and I'm actually very excited about it. And the retreat is called Daring to Own Your Own Story. Wow. And uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm really, as soon as I I saw it uh, on Facebook, actually, and I clicked like and I emailed her instantly, and I said, I am so, I I didn't even know the details. You're an adrenaline junkie. I am. I am absolutely adrenaline junkie. So do you like to hike? Is that, do you, do you enjoy that? Like, have you gone climbing, wall climbing or anything? So no, I'm not a hiker. (laughs) (laughs) The mountains Uh, in Utah are pretty big, by the way. I've been there. (laughs) Okay. Good to know. Um, And cold. Rock climbing is, rock climbing is actually part of it. Yeah. So rock climbing is on my list. I'm working at strengthening my arms. Uh, my, I do tandem bike riding. That's I, right. I was just going to bring that up. But yeah. Yeah, I joined that strictly for the physical fitness. And you're up to 100 kilometers? And I didn't, yeah, I didn't anticipate liking it at all. I just wanted to uh, continue losing weight. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I instantly realized I absolutely love it. The freedom that it gives a visually impaired person uh, to ride at high speeds and long distances um, safely is absolutely. So your partner is sighted? Usually, no. <laughs> Unless you're in lead, right? Yeah. So the captain is the front person. They are a fully sighted person. Yep. And I'm in the back and uh, oh. I'm called a stoker. So, but there's like, it's a group that we started uh, by a woman here in Peterborough who's visually impaired, and she started it about five years ago, and it's called uh, Tandem Eyes. Wow. So you, you are up to 100 kilometers, I think, now, right? I know. Last summer was my first summer, and I completed a 60-kilometer 60, 60 trek, okay. and uh, my, my goal this summer uh, is to do 100K. Good for you. Yeah, I'm, uh, and my partner tricked me into uh, the 60K. My goal was 50. Normally we ride 25 to 30, and I said, I want to do a 50. And so we had to join another uh, single biking group that yeah. bike fast to do a 50. And so we, uh, I meet up with him in the, in the morning, and he said, Oh, by the way, this is a 60 mile uh, trek today. Um, and it wasn't, you know, 50 or 60, there wasn't much difference. It was, you know, it was a nice, it was fun. It was a blast. Have you tried, um, dragon boating? No, I haven't. I absolutely love dragon boating and I know Peterborough has a dragon boat club. Yeah. And it is so much fun. And I think you would love it because it's, it's usually about 500 meters all out really fast fast as you can go. It feels like you're flying across the water and there's, um, 10 people in your boat. It, it's so much fun. It is like a blast. And every weekend there's a race in Ontario and you can just keep going all summer. I will have to check it out then. I didn't yeah. realize it was actually so it's huge. invigorating. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. It, they started, you know, it got really popular because, um, women with breast cancer, the, the doctors would say, you know, 
do it because it strengthens their arms and, and because they have to, they're, they're um, paddling instead of rowing it, you know, it's crossover and it, and it strengthens their upper, their upper body and it helped them after breast cancer, after, you know, getting a mastectomy. So there's a lot of women. And uh, when I would work for the government, I started dragon boating in the government and, you know, you can have people, there were people on our team from like 18 to 70 something like it, you can be whatever age. It's wonderful. It's a lot of fun. I think you would enjoy it. Yeah. I I'll check my it. chat window here though, guys, if you're writing to me, I'm sorry. I can't see. I can't find. Oh, there we are. I found you back. <laughs> okay. So mountain climbing in Utah. Do you have a bucket list? Like, have you written things down and go, gee, I'm going to, you know, do this and do that. Uh, I haven't actually made a list per se. Uh, rock climbing is one of them. Um, the mountain climbing in Utah, that wasn't, uh, mountain climbing was on the list, but, um, you know, that just happened to, I came across it. So I'll, you know, yeah, I'll, why not? Yep. And, uh, it's really just, I always keep an eye out and wherever I, uh, I, I see something and then I go. And my husband and I had to Google sync our calendars. So he, cause he had never has an idea where I am. <laughs> Does he have any interest in any of this stuff? Uh, no, not so much. Not so much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you on this mountain giving your, your sermon. <laughs> he, um, he works long hours. He, um, uh, he's very supportive. I can, you know, I can go and do whatever I want. Oh, actually, that's not true. He, uh, my, my husband and children said, I'm absolutely not allowed to go skydiving. I thought that would have been the first thing you did. Oh, I so want to do it. And, but they have begged me, Brian is terrified. I just won't see the ground. <laughs> and so it's the one thing he said that, you know, absolutely, there's no give on it. I'm not allowed to go skydiving. Okay. I need to talk about this documentary, the axe wielding documentary. <laughs> How do they find you? Or did you sign up? Go look, I'll look for the most dangerous thing I can find and sign up for it. Uh, tell, tell us about this documentary. How did you get involved? So that was something, again, that came through CPD, Council of Persons with Disabilities. And uh, Anna, the project manager, when I started getting involved in doing um, different activities, I was constantly firing off different emails with ideas. Okay, can you arrange this? Can you do this? Let's get a group together. And, and so I suggested axe throwing. Well, the next thing I know, uh, Alec and I and Anna arranged uh, a six-week axe-throwing um, league at the local club here. Axe. So it would be too safe, right? <laughs> it is. There's, uh, there's a, you're, in a, you're kind of in a cage. You know, there's okay. a, a chain-link fencing down the sides. Yeah. Only person you know can throw down at the same time the target's really big you shout know, out wait shout out to diane lang hey diane how are you good to have you in our chat room yeah there's another unstoppable woman there okay so you're in a you're in like a batting cage almost you're like yes it's like a batting cage okay with an axe yep and so then how big Carlo, is the axe sorry carlo is the owner and he uh he just accepted that okay, I'm having a group of people come in and for six weeks and that's great. He didn't know you guys were blind. Well, he knew, he, he knew we were blind and some were in wheelchairs and, and mobility issues and so on. And he said, you know, as long as the person is capable of picking up and having the stability 
uh, a one and a half pound axe, then they can come and they will be safe. You know, so is it like a tomahawk? Is that what it's like? Like a yes. okay, yeah. yeah, it's like a tomahawk. Now they do have big ones, yeah, as well. But your the, but the main of it is like this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so then it turns out the uh, the owner and staff realized, you know, they thought we would just come in, they would teach us the way they throw. And then we could go on our merry way and continue throwing. Well, but that wasn't it at all because a blind person is going to throw differently. <laughs> Someone from a wheelchair, so it's much lower to the ground. Right, yeah. Don't necessarily, some may have some core strength, some may not. Definitely the balance issue. Uh, you know, one gentleman was in a walker and so there was various things to deal with. So it was a huge learning process for them as well. So then that created the idea with the owner to create this documentary, which is coming out uh, in the next couple weeks. Cool. And uh, to uh, it's a training documentary to train the trainers. And it will be distributed internationally to axe throwing clubs so that it helps promote inclusivity. So how many axe throwing clubs are there? I mean, I, honestly, I've never heard of this before. Uh, it is all the rage. Is it? You, okay. Yeah, there, it, is a, it is a really big thing. So is it like broad jumping where you're trying to get to a certain, or is there an actual target? It's a, there's an actual target. It's a big sheet of plywood. Okay. And, uh, it's, you know, a great big bullseye. And and then another ring, and then another ring, you know, and then it goes by points. Okay. So how do they express that to a visually impaired person? Throw just uh, as hard as you can. Point yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the right direction, throw that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, a lot of it can be, now I was able to see the target. Okay. It is big. At the same time, uh, um, there is a, you know, a focus or your eyes move and people who are visually impaired can also have a, a balance issue mm -hmm. at times. So, or a lot of the time. Uh, so there's, there's different things at play, you know, your, and vision can go, goes up and down. You know, there's, if you're more tired, your vision's going to go wor get worse. Right. And even though you can see the target, you uh, aren't necessarily going to throw the same. You know, so you're going to have good days and bad days, but that's the same as anyone that's uh, fully able-bodied. Yeah. You're going to have good days that you shoot, good days, you know, some days you don't. Uh, but it, it is it is absolutely fun. And we're looking at uh, doing another league very shortly. Wow. So you had, you did have a go-kart. Have you done like sand dunes and things like that? Like, is that no? This was like a, a, a smaller motorized. This when I was sixteen or sixteen and seventeen, approximately. Uh huh. And uh, so you raced on uh, not private tracks, like commercial tracks, you know, yeah. um, that were all paved. You're but I'm just thinking, like, that might be something that you would enjoy to do today. Dunes? Yeah. <laughs> so I need to go to Mexico or Cuba or something. I'll mention California that. or. Yeah. Yeah. Even like, yeah, uh, it's crazy. The stuff that you do. I love it. Okay. So archery and ax throwing are kind of similar. Pistol shooting. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it was actually another completely blind girl that told me about pistol shooting. And she has zero vision and she's been going for a couple years and she's really good, really good because first of all, the, uh, so the, the pistol shooting club here in Peterborough, uh, it's open to the public Wednesday nights. So anybody can go, uh, and so this girl told me about it and, you know, they, everybody, no matter who goes, whether you're visually impaired or not, it's one-on-one. So you've got, uh, you know, you've got someone guiding you sure. and making sure that you're always, you know, keeping the guns, you know, everything, you're doing everything perfectly safe. And uh, the, you know, the target is down a ways. They bring my target um, up some. It wouldn't really make much of a difference to me if they make it up or further back. You know, I still can't see it that great. I can see the white piece of paper with a black blob. Right. Yeah. 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 Whether it's 40 feet away or 60, it doesn't really make a difference to me. Uh, I do use a gun with a laser on it. And that can uh, be helpful. Uh, But this other girl has been doing it for so long, although she gets her, you know, the one-on-one safety guy. But he, she's aiming it, and she's a great marksman because you develop memory muscle. Yeah. You, know, you know your placement. You know where to stand. You know the target's straight ahead of you. And, yeah, she's definitely awesome. So I, um, I can't remember where the first instance where I'm, I met her. I knew her as a childhood friend, actually. Oh, okay. And then we reconnected here in Peterborough at, I think maybe it was even at Tandem Biking. And then she told me about the pistol shooting. So I said, hey, I'll see you there next Wednesday. So all you adrenaline junkie people with inconveniences are doing all this fun stuff and everybody else yeah. is sitting at home. <laughs> yep, yep. And my friends, uh, they they uh, enjoy laughing at me. <laughs> yeah. So I love the story that you told about the two, two of you, uh, you and your friend with your canes standing in front of a store. And somebody comes up and goes, hey, can you tell me how to get to? <laughs> it's, so, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting that the various scenarios that you get into um, here and, and people can be really helpful or they just don't necessarily get it, you know? So uh, like everybody gets a, a white cane. Come on, right? Don't they? Well, apparently not. And that was always apparently, yeah, apparently not. <laughs> We're standing on the corner. Yeah, both of us with dark glasses, both of us with white canes, and a woman walks up to us and she asks us where you know directions to the nearest hospital. And uh, my friend was actually able to uh, tell her, and she had gotten out of a car. You know, and, and like, it was a busy street. You know, she, she picked us out. Wow. <laughs> and, and so as we walk away, and I, I said to her, like, was well, some of the strangest things? She walked up to two blind women asking us for driving directions. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, it's, it is fun and complimentary in a way. Yeah. Because you, know? you look okay. disabled. Yeah, you look like you knew what was going on. Yeah. Or did she think we were crossing guards? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> That's so funny. People are just, you know, I find that they, they really, they don't pay attention. Like there's just, 
they there's no you know the detail and stuff they're just like oblivious it's what's in their head they're, they're on their own little mission right and yeah. they're oblivious to everything that else is around except what they have going on in in their minds you know and at the same time when i've, I've been downtown and uh people will come up and offer help you know and i don't usually need it yeah. and uh but it is so nice you know it, it's i've i didn't expect uh that living in the city, that it actually is way smaller than what you would realize. Once you're out there and you get to know people and you engage and even strangers, you know, that they, yeah, it is so friendly. I've run into very few, very few issues. Yeah. Nice. I, I'm really glad to hear that. And, and Peterborough is a nice little town. I mean, you call it a city. I think I still think of it as a little town. I, we, I lived on a farm out near there, you know, when I was a kid. And I was like, yeah, the big city of Peterborough. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, it is a lovely place. And I think when people, it is a smaller city. Like I live in Cambridge now. It's a smaller city. And, and people are, are a little more, you know, small town in a way than, yeah. than they would be from Toronto, which is way way you know people yeah i didn't expect such a welcoming environment in no matter what i get involved in yeah yeah and i'll phone some i i don't know what i phoned up recently and and said can i come and do this by the way i'm blind (laughs) and no one said no so have you tried skiing or snowboarding or anything like that Uh, i skied as a teenager downhill at night there was a um there was a yeah, during the day is too difficult. Too bright. Yeah, too bright. So uh, when I was a teenager, there was a ski hill nearby called Kawartha Peaks, and they had night skiing, and that closed down a long time ago. And uh, just recently, I'm not even sure if it opened yet, uh, but the place near it is opening night skiing, and so then that can be an option for me again. Yeah. Snowboarding, I'm not so sure. My son does snowboarding. Uh I'm not sure if uh, snowboarding doesn't quite intrigue me as much. Yeah. Both feet strapped down to one piece. Yeah. uh, Is a stability issue and I'm not sure. (laughs) Well, good for you to keep like, you know, what are you doing to stay in shape? Do you do like regular gym? Do you do yoga? Like you must be in fairly decent shape. Uh, I have more decent shape to get to. Yeah. Um, I certainly don't go to the gym. No interest in that. There's no exhilaration. There's no adrenaline for me as far as gym. Uh, I have come through a long journey of uh, weight loss. So in the last uh, year and a half, I've lost about 80 pounds. Good for you. Wow. uh, I'm continuing that. I'm, I'm aiming for about another 40. Wow. That's a lot. The, um, uh, the, actually, I said a year and a half. I'd say it's probably about two and a half, two years. Um, the tandem, you, it's quite physical. There's a lot of things, you know, and just yeah. you're going out, I'm out every day. And even though you're using the bus system, you're doing a lot of walking. Yeah. You know, so there's just a lot of things. Uh, um, the only one thing I tried recently, I only did it once. Uh, I'd like to try it again because I wasn't exactly successful at it. And I did uh, sledge skating. And so that is uh, much harder than you would think. 
the actual sled skating isn't that hard. But what is sled skating? So it's you're in a sled. Your legs are strapped down. Okay. Are you sitting? And you're one. It's one blade. Oh. You have to you know stay completely balanced, and then you're using your arms and skating around on the ice. So I wanted to do it to build my upper arms because I want to do the rock climbing and mountain climbing. Yeah. So doing it wasn't so difficult until you tipped over. (laughs) And picking yourself up when you're on the ice, you know, you're just a sliding mess. (laughs) Yeah, wow. And so I was quite lucky that there was two wonderful gentlemen there that every time I would tip over, they'd come pick me up. (laughs) Nice, nice. Help that you lost the 80 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Linda, we started off this show and I said that, you know, you couldn't understand why I would want to talk to you. And I'm sure that everybody who has listened through this past hour now has is understanding a little bit more about Linda Todd and, you know, this adrenaline junkie in front of me who uh, dares to try everything. It's such a great way to live. Really. You are an inspiration to so many, sighted and non, you know, disabled or inconvenienced or convenienced, however you want to call it, you know, um, really, it, it, it's, it's, uh, well, it's about embracing life, right? Be thankful for what you have, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm never going to get 2020 vision. So make the most of what we have and enjoy every day. And that's, that is, uh, my one of my own purposes for myself, you know, just have fun and thrive. So are you writing a book about your journeys? <laughs> no, it's been, it's been suggested lately uh, by many. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of, I had the same reaction as my reaction to you. Like, really? What? Really? What? Really? Nobody want to read it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I beg to differ, but, um, I want to thank you, Linda, for being my guest today. And I want to thank everybody in the chat room for joining us today. It's so great to see you, Adriana and Ariane and Diane. And I'm sure Lynn was here. And it's really great for all of you who are going to come after the live event to to listen to us as well. Linda, do you have a website? Do I have a website? Yeah. No. No. Okay. Well, come and visit us at the Good Radio Network. And you can read more about Linda Linda Todd, and you will see, uh, be able to get the video and join us at the Good uh, Media Network on YouTube, and you'll be able to watch this again as well. All right. Well, thank, thank you, everybody. You so much, thank you so much, Linda. St- stick with me for a moment. Yep. It's going to leave Facebook. Goodbye, Facebook friends, and we're going to go back. <laughs>